the quality of the office is that in first step, we really try to listen to the client. I think every, every project we are working on is not really, even if it's an office project and we did 20 of them or 50 of them, I think it's always because of location, of the tenant they are looking for, of the special surrounding and so on. It's, it's a unique project and you first have to, to have your own opinion what is characteristic for the project. But on the other hand, you have to listen to the client and to understand his needs and his, his own ideas. That does not mean that he has an architectural feeling and really explains uh, us how the concept will work. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Insider Podcast. In this episode, my guest was Holger Meyer, who is the owner and big boss at the office I'm working at. It was a little challenging and a little bit emotional for me personally uh, to interview my boss or to interview the owner of the company I work at. But I think in the end, uh, we gotten very loose and uh, you could really grasp uh, what kind of person Holger is and you can understand more of this amazing office I work at here in uh, Frankfurt am Main, which is considered the Manhattan of Germany. And also the office has another um, branch in Munich and also one a backup office in Romania, Bucharest. So we had uh, covered the multiple topics in the conversation how to get business, what is the environment for architecture uh, in Germany and in particular in these two cities, uh, where the architecture uh, is going, in which direction is going the architectural um, industry in Germany. So I think it's a very, very interesting conversation. And for me personally, it was a very interesting conversation because it's uh, rare that you get one hour to sit together with your boss and talk and explore what kind of person he is. Uh, so I hope you're going to enjoy the conversation. Uh, before we start, I want to remind you that uh, you could have watched this podcast live just by joining uh, the group of the Real Insiders on Patreon. You'll find the link below. It's just five euros a month. You can support the existence of this podcast. You get access to all the shows live. We are working for architects in Germany to get you points while watching the podcast. So uh, that's not official yet, but it's ongoing. And also you get to participate in the monthly call and interact with the other group, uh, the other group members. So I think it's a great networking um, system for like-minded people in the architecture industry. If you cannot afford to be a Patreon uh, because of many reasons, you can support the podcast for free by just liking the video, sharing it on your social media set so that we can reach more people, leaving a comment below uh, and subscribing to the channel so that we can reach a wider audience uh, about architecture and design. So thank you very much. And before we start, a particular greeting to all the rest of the team at Holger Architektur. You guys are super great and it's super fun working with you. Enjoy the episode with Holger Maya. Hello, Holga. Welcome to the Creative Insider Podcast. Hello, Georgi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you on camera, too. Uh, finally, we managed to do the, the podcast. So for the people who don't know you, uh, you are my big, big boss because I work at Holga Architektur here in Frankfurt. And uh, you are the first architect from Frankfurt. Uh, so I'm very happy to have you on. And uh, we, you can tell a little bit of, of our office because I'm, I think you're more suitable than me that to introduce uh, who we are and what we do. Well, I don't think I'm the first architect in Frankfurt. Uh, we're working every day on this, but uh, uh, that, that's quite a, quite a big scene we have here. So I would say we are one of the, one of the important players in the game. Uh, that is like this, and um, I think what really describes our office is that we are 
we are quite flexible in different tasks. And uh, I think we are working with a lot of clients for more than 10 years. So they are repeating working with us uh, every time. So I would say it, it can't be the case that we are doing everything wrong, <laughs> that they always decide uh, going on with us and uh, um, developing architecture and new projects and asking us really early before they buy their plots and thinking of their projects. And they're really, I would say, interested in our opinion and in our feeling for, for the projects. And uh, the real advantage, if you are so really mainly based in these two cities like Munich and Frankfurt. You know quite a lot of people. You know what everybody is doing, how they are thinking. You have the trust of the local authorities. And I think uh, that's what the clients really like. And that's one of the reasons why they always come back. Yeah, and uh, no, I meant, I meant you're the first architect uh, from Frankfurt on the Creative Insider podcast because uh, not everybody feels so comfortable to go international. Uh, but um, the podcast goes not only about what we do, but also who are the people on the podcast. So I'm very curious to discover more about your uh, path and your history in the field of architecture because, as you said, uh, it's a very established office. Uh, with uh, very a lot of uh, very good projects, cutting edge, pro cutting edge projects. So I'm curious, you personally, how did you decide you wanted to become an architect? When did the idea come uh, to you to to join this industry? Was somebody in your family an architect, or what what was the story behind you joining architecture? No, really the opposite. Um, uh, as my father said, I'm the black sheep of the family. <laughs> uh, Everybody is working in finance, in real estate, but not really architecture. So I was, was always kind of different. Um, but uh, the thing is that I really decided quite early to do that and uh, took a relatively straight way, not really knowing <laughs> what is coming up with this decision. I think... It's uh, what we are doing is really a hard profession. Yeah, that's it, uh, every day. It's challenging. Every day you are working on on new tasks, and you have to to redefine yourself. Uh, you have to really fight for your office. You have to really struggle with uh, always new problems. And uh, maybe if I would have imagined how how, how difficult and uh, the, the this profession is, I would have listened more to my parents, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, now they are quite satisfied with what I'm doing, and uh, I had always the idea, and that's that's how it started. My father asked me, and friends also, why why will you be an, an architect, or why are you going to be an architect? I said, go, uh, you know, I want to work for myself. I don't want to work in a big company and big structure and I want to be creative and I want to design things. And uh, if uh, I, I never imagined that my father came up and said, do you know how many architects are really working for themselves and have their own offices? I, I don't know the number. It was only about 4%, 4% or something like that. And, uh, well, I, I went my way quite straight and uh, I got the opportunity to really start uh, working on myself because the office where I worked as, student, as a student in, in Darmstadt, Seifertplanung, um, really I started there during my, uh, my studying in Darmstadt, working there, and when I finished, I made my first architectural competition on myself and I won it. And uh, Mr. Seifer, the owner of the office, said, okay, now the time came up. Um, that's your project and you have to start and you do the, this project by yourself. The, the elder one in the office will support you, but you are the project leader. It's your design and you have to build it. And so 
this started as uh, in in a different and in a fast faster way than I expected it. Yeah. What was that competition for? What what kind of building did you win? Yeah, it was a quite large office building. It was uh, the the VR leasing. It's the Volks and Raiffeisenbanken leasing. Dort it was the building with, uh, I think, 500 uh, working spaces and quite an innovative office concept for for that time. And so we did really um, really futuristic and different concept and we won with it uh, against Ingenhofen and others and uh, so it was quite a yeah cold start in a yeah fish basin I didn't recognize how difficult it is I had my first uh, first meeting with all the all the other not only the client but all the engineers and so on and uh, that was really nothing you learned at university. Yeah, it <laughs> no, it <cool>. did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it sounds sounds great. And so you started there, and then you kind of become part of the office leadership uh, at this at this office where it was your first uh, basically professional experience. And, yeah, it was, and, and two years later, then I was offered a co-partnership. And um, this, I mean, this was happening because we have some, I work in the office, so we have some more, uh, how do you say, long-term colleagues that uh, are keeping the, the knowledge and the history of the office. So that was uh, the beginnings were in the 90s and um, it was still in, uh, in Darmstadt. Um, and now we're quite a few years later, as you said, a very established company. Uh, how did you uh, keep uh, up with the architecture field that it's so quickly evolving? And um, how did you manage to to go through the different evolution of the office? Because I know the office at some point uh, moved to Frankfurt, then uh, we were MSM, then turned again Holger Meyer Architektur. So if you could tell a little bit of the story of all the transformation that has happened. Yeah, I, I would say at the end, and if you look on other offices too, um, uh, it's it's always a way of developing and uh, partnership in architecture is not always an easy thing. I was partner with Mr. Seifert, uh, then he went out of the office because uh, he went over 70 and uh, so he said, okay, that's uh, more or less your, your thing now to go on with the office. I took it over completely. And then I decided after some years working alone is, uh, is a bit uh, weird. Yeah, yeah you, you don't really have a, a second opinion in a partnership. Maybe I was younger then and I decided uh, that I want to grow bigger and not only working in Frankfurt. And I can't do that when I'm only by myself as, as, as one partner in the office. And so the idea came up. So I connected with Kasper Schmitz-Morkamer and we founded the, the office of MSM, Meyer Schmitz-Morkamer, together. Uh, the idea was uh, that he is um, caring for the, for the market uh, more north of Frankfurt, so he was based in Cologne, and I said, "Okay, Frankfurt is good, uh, good uh, situation." And we decided, "Okay, we want to grow." And uh, so, after two, three, four years later, we had an office in Hamburg. Then we opened the office in Munich, and uh, so it's it's difficult in an in a growing architectural office. Uh, to do all the, the the projects coming up on one side, uh, caring for the architecture, um, taking care of having one straight design line, which uh, really is comes over the more and more projects, which is significant and quite similar to keep a keep a straight line in the design guide of the office. On the other hand, you have much more organization stuff. You have the problem that you have to be parallel in Cologne and in Hamburg and in Munich. And so you lose time. And then we decided 2018, okay, 
I think it's a clever way if everybody concentrates on 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 his side of the offices. So so we decided to divide the office. I think that was quite good for both offices to to develop it a bit more concentration on uh, Frankfurt and Munich. And um, I think it's uh, it's always quite challenging having uh, an office of hundred or more architects being uh, involved in parallel 25 projects. That's around the number we have normally parallel in progress and really keeping care of uh, all the employees in Frankfurt and in Munich. Uh, we have the office in Bucharest founded uh, as well. Our colleagues in Bucharest uh, support our work and Especially during Corona, we, we learned uh, how, how difficult it is to, to keep everything together and to be really um, yeah, in, a, in a straight contact with everybody in such a big office if you are really only working remote. Yeah, yeah indeed. But now I think we are quite uh, flawless because I have the pleasure to work with a colleague of every other um, office and uh, we, we are pretty good at it now. Um, you said something uh, like when I was joining uh, Holger Maya, I, I, of course, here in Frankfurt, uh, the architecture circle, it's quite uh, rich of people, but also small. Everybody knows someone somewhere. So I knew someone that I was already working at the office, but of course I went on the website and went through the project and I thought, okay, the projects are really, really beautiful. I really like them. And I think it's time to, to, to join this office because of the design quality. And uh, also now by being in the office, I have access to all the competitions and I see what kind of work is done. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, you mentioned that, that you wanted to become independent, to be creative, uh, and uh, it, your success is also based on the quality of the, of the work you do. So what is your design philosophy? Because from what I see, because you're always, as you said, a lot of people, a lot of offices, you're always running through meetings and uh, through projects. Uh, what is what is the design philosophy for you in a project? What you try to achieve? What is uh, your approach to design? To how did you build your style? If you can expand a little bit on on that. Um, I think that the quality of the office is that in first step we really try to listen to the client. I think every every project we are working on is not really, even if it's an office project and we did 20 of them or 50 of them, I think it's always because of location, of the tenant they are looking for, of the special surrounding and so on. It's it's a unique project and you first have to, to have your own opinion what is characteristic for the project. But on the other hand, you have to listen to the client and to understand his needs and his his own ideas. That does not mean that he has an architectural feeling and really explains uh, us how the concept will work. Uh, but I think there are too many concepts uh, which are developed which are not really parallel with the understanding of the client. And I think that's, that's the, first, the first important step. And I'm not really, um, I will compare it to art. I have problems with some artists who have always the same style. Yeah. Um, for example, um, um, if you take, um, yeah, I don't know, if you know Uka, the one who is working with the nails, I think I find it's terribly interesting. I like these structures, but I wouldn't like to do all myself the same nail pictures only with different structures. And uh, when I look at art, I'm really fascinated by the life of Picasso because he was always changing. He was always new, defining uh, his uh, his understanding of art. And he was always searching for something new. 
And I think that's what's really the chance in architecture. I think for some buildings, uh, a classical stone building is really the right solution. And on the other hand, in can be at the same time. And so I wouldn't define myself in periods of work uh, uh, more than in uh, types of uh, or char characteristic of tasks. Yeah. So where I say different tasks need different solutions and uh, different sites need different understanding of architecture. And so in Holgermeier Architektur, it's possible that really parallel, they are developing really different architectural ideas. And I'm really okay with that. Yeah, But I think there is an overall characteristic line that our buildings um, have a straight concept. Have, they, they don't play with facades only to play with designs. Uh, they have always a function behind it. They are really, really clear in material use. And I think that's what's defined our architecture. Yeah, and, and now, I mean, in this uh, long history of the office, uh, We we have succeeded in many competitions. Um, in, have you developed some feeling? Because a competition is always right, like a, a little bit of a jump in the void. Like you you get the brief, and you start with your your own uh, site analysis and first concepts, and and the options are basically multiple, uh, despite the constraints that some someone can give you. Uh, have you developed some uh, feeling or do you have some feeling? And if yes, what is that? What it makes a competition here in the area in Germany or in general uh, successful? Because we are very successful in, in ex exactly this field. When, when And also, as you mentioned, with uh, sometimes big competition, other very talented offices. What do you think when you make a project um, make, makes it successful? For example... I had talked to the three Xen guys and they say always, despite the, if, if they do something crazy, like a shape wise, uh, they always think if this shape really makes uh, an extra uh, point for the building or that it has to have a purpose and not just being a shape. Uh, what do you have some feelings that when you do a competition, um, this might be okay, our winning point or the thing that will make us stay, stay, stand ahead of the others? Yeah, I think uh, competitions are always challenging. Uh, you know, um, mainly because we do a lot of invited in, in uh, competitions. And uh, I think the last year was the most successful competition year in the history of the company. And uh, yeah, you get... Over the years, you get a straighter and straighter feeling. Uh, what is the real target uh, of uh, of competition? In some uh, some cases, you know the clients, and uh, maybe you you worked for him already, and so it's a bit easier to get a feeling of where the where the idea have to to uh, to go to go to. But uh, I think. The most important thing is that you could, and you always have to revise that during working on the competition, and you have you you must explain the concept to yourself, and I think that's quite similar to what to what you said to three xn. It's nice to doing a crazy shape, but you have to know it not that it only looks good, but you. Have must explain to yourself why do you are you doing that shape is it changing the um, the the urban surrounding is it opening new views or is it only different because it's different and you are not rectangular because it's not you are not in the mood for rectangular uh, so that's i think that's always the thing and if you have to be on both sides. I'm sitting sometimes in the jury as well. And uh, I think there you learn more about competitions than doing competitions yourself because you have to decide in 
two or three hours what is really good architectural quality, what is the concept which could be explained easily and could be understand. It's, it's completely understandable. And I think if you view on that from both sides, you are finding relatively fast a good solution. We are changing the, the tasks in competition. We are doing a lot of refurbishments in the office and we are doing a lot of refurbishment in, in competitions. And there you have to learn to think in a different way as well because the task is to, to keep most of the existing structure uh, because otherwise, for economical reason, it doesn't make sense to really make a refurbishment if you change too much. And so you have to quickly understand in only four weeks what is the quality of the existing structure and how is it possible to make as less changes as possible and to uh, to get a quality uh, rise uh, with really only little moves uh, and only little uh, yeah impact in the existing in the existing structure of the building and uh, I think that's that's also challenging and of course to keep it short yes it's a sort of experience the more competitions you do the more juries uh, juries uh, you uh, join uh, the more you learn to think straight and to explain yourself uh, the concept sharply and i think that's the way to success in competitions yeah and and for the people who don't know our office is uh, spanning across two floors so on the upper floor uh, it's our f fun part of the office plus there is this uh, mysterious uh, room with the with the mirrors where inside sits the the competition team where the magic happens uh and uh, then downstairs we are the minions that make it uh, buildable uh and we 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 see you uh, across multiple rooms and multiple projects but uh, we get to see a little less from what happens behind the the mirrored walls uh, what is what is the process in in that um, in that team when you get the brief because as you said you have to go between 25 projects or so so does the team start uh, giving you some ideas and then you review them or you give them some ideas they start developing um, what is the ping pong game that goes on there when from the starting point to when we hand in some competitions in the finished project well, um, I, first thing is that when we moved the office in 2018 in, the, in, the, in our new office here in uh, Eschersheimer Landstraße, uh, I said the most important thing is that the competition team is really sitting next to me. Because every time I'm going in, going out, in between meetings, you have 10 minutes left, you can join them just by passing by. And having a quick discussion, and uh, maybe it's it's a question of finding quick solution. But on the other hand, maybe it's in five minutes just the understanding of the problem, and taking it with you and being able to think about that's better than we lose two days or so that two or three people are thinking about the problem. What we always uh, also changed is uh, we have a large television screen, as as you know. And we have a sofa in front, and uh, it's it's a bit of a lounge atmosphere in these competition rooms. Something which I wanted as well, and we are really sitting there, and we have a sort of relaxing. It's not always standing and be on the run. You have to sit down, you have to concentrate, and even if it's only five minutes, to take your time to listen to the problem. And we have the screen that they could share their big screen with the whole team. And the whole team uh, is, uh, is part of the problem discussion. So you're sharing your screen, you're showing what you're working on, even if it's a floor plan or it's a correction of a rendering or whatever it is, and we discuss it together. And uh, the first thing is sitting down, taking, even if it's five minutes, taking some time and explaining your problem to everybody in the room. 
And so you always have a discussion forum. It's 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 not really close job. Of course, there are some detailed problems every day. Somebody is talking me, uh, passing by, uh, running through or whatever. But the main idea is really everybody has to explain what he is doing and all the others could bring up their opinion for a good solution. And of course, uh, that sounds completely democratic. Uh, at the end, it's uh, uh, it's like this, and somebody has to decide. We have, uh, for example, we have three solutions on the table, and we are not quite sure what is really the best. Then somebody has to go to say, okay, in the middle, right or left. Yeah, that's that's like this. But uh, I think we improved this discussion project uh, process finding finding really the best solution quite a lot just by the situation which is in that room yeah so basically yeah. through this brain brainstorming uh, brainstorming process what did you say sorry the magic mirror room, as you call it. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very interesting because I remember the first time that I entered the office, I came from that door. It was before my interview. And uh, you see this black door with these mirrors and it's, it feels very secret, you know, and it makes you feel, makes you curious. It it was like, hmm. Then for, I, I thought for the first days when I started working at the office, I thought I wasn't allowed to go there. So uh, people told me go to the go to talk with the competition people, and I'm like, can I? <laughs> so it's uh, it's really interesting, and and one thing that um, it's particular for the office is that as you said, you are from the area here in Frankfurt, and then expanded uh, through other cities, Munich. Uh, in particular. Um, so what is for you uh, sh giving new shape to your city where you basically have lived most of your life? And also what is your opinion on the scene here in Frankfurt and in, in Munich about the German architecture? Because, I mean, Frankfurt and Munich almost every year make it in the top 10 of most livable cities in the world. Uh, so I'm curious to know what is your opinion on the architecture scene on the city development uh, if you think something it's done particularly well or something uh, can be still improved um, yeah starting with the scene um, I think um, both cities and uh, you are you're perfectly right there that's a quite uh, a quite alive architectural scene it's not only an architectural scene I would say the whole real estate scene yeah that's um, I always say, and that's that's in Frankfurt and in Munich quite similar. It's um, it's I always say it's around two hundred to two hundred fifty people who are doing mainly uh, the, the the development of the city. If you say it like this, it's it's some people of the local authorities which are really have an have a, have a mission. Let's say. There's a group of architecture in both cities which are mainly working there and really defining a lot of developments in in the in the uh, in this in both cities and it's uh, it's developers it's a changing scene there are coming up new ones but always slow but they are coming up new people and I think always interesting people and. Uh, there's a scene of the of the real estate consultants, uh, which uh, which are really part of the scene for us as well, because uh, we are really quite close to to them in in contact, and it's also the lawyers which are working for for uh, for our clients especially. So that's that's the scene and. Everybody is talking about everybody. Everybody knows what project he is working on. And um, it's on one hand, it's a disadvantage that it's quite a close scene. On the other hand, it's an advantage because the people uh, who are really based in these cities, they're really interested in a quality development because they stay there. They are not the ones coming outside from London uh, uh, understanding a project as an Excel sheet 
uh, which has to to spend money and uh, if it works they are out yeah building finished sold and uh, running to the next city uh, so uh, these local developers or these local players let's see this scene is really interested in politics is really interested in the local politics is really interested in developing the city is interested in a timeline of 10 or 15 years because after one project is finished they are always working on the second and the third one which is going on and uh, to keep it simple they have to behave well <laughs> because they want to play together again and uh, Sometimes you can say somebody who is coming from outside is getting a fresher impulse into that game. That is okay. And it's that's sometimes okay because um, uh, mainly all the same players are always discussing in the same sort of solutions. Uh, but on the other hand, you see how quickly, for example, Frankfurt and Munich as well, develops, how open they are for modern architecture, how interesting parts of the city developed over the years, what in Frankfurt is the museums of uh, the, the, the large developments which are really take place, took place along the main river, how the inner city area with the high rises develops. In Munich, it's a, a different uh, discussion or if you just start talking about a high rise, you have a great opposition. <laughs> everybody wants to keep the city flat in Frankfurt. Everybody sees it as a quality when the uh, the city is going vertical. Uh, so it's it's different sort of solution. Munich is more traditional based. Uh, Frankfurt is more innovative in architecture, maybe a bit more open. Um, but Munich changed a lot because of the tech industry uh, since Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Apple and, and Google are based uh, in, their, in their German headquarters in Munich. Uh, the, the, the quality of architecture and uh, the need of the tenants and uh, so changed change quite a lot, not in these inner city areas, but especially in these parts. So I think I think the scene is uh, really a quality for these cities. And that's typical for Berlin and for Cologne as well. And uh, I think it's important that you are still open to do different things which are come from outside and that you have really an open view of what is happening all over the world. Yeah, So that the scene is not looking too close. Yeah. So your second part of the question after the scene was, the first part of the question was? No, it was basically that you covered uh, most of my question. Um, I'm curious um, because I'm now part of the of the scene as well a few years. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious in your opinion if there is something, for example, I got to know through the podcast a lot of the people that are part of the uh, Scandinavian scene, which is very popular around the world. Do you think that there is something that we can export uh, abroad? Maybe because you, you mentioned this is something I didn't know that, uh, yeah, the players here are local and they want to stay and they also want to build a good environment for themselves because they are part, like they're living in the city. Um, do you think there are some qualities of the architecture we do that we can uh, bring abroad or um, because um, I think the building quality in Germany it's extremely high. Uh, maybe sometimes we lack a little bit of uh, courage in some projects <laughs> because of this. Uh, I think the players know that if you go too crazy with the with the shapes, <laughs> the cost can explode. Is there some quality of Frankfurt that that we can make global or on of Munich? Uh, what do you think is the what are the biggest quality of the of the architecture we do here. When, the, 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 when we talk about the, the quality of the building quality, then uh, it is uh, really a high standard we have here. But I think on the other hand, it's a problem in Germany uh, because we are building really too expensive. Yeah, we are energy-wise, we are really uh, we are really innovative, and I think we are quite forward, and I think that's important. But on the other hand, 
if you especially look on the on the housing situation, uh, we built so expensive in Germany. We can learn a lot from, for example, the Netherlands, where where they are building really a, a good architectural quality for mass much lower price on a much lower price level, and I think that's so that there are so few people uh, can afford uh, housing in, in Germany. That's really a problem. And we know that, especially in that situation now where the interest rates exploded so much over the last 12 months. And uh, so the, the housing market is really completely blocked down. Um, what we can uh, really import I think uh, you you just said it. We have sometimes not really the courage to doing experimental projects, and that's nearly impossible in Germany. It's uh, from the from the client side, from the local authority side. Uh, we had, I think, Zaha did made three uh, tries uh, to win a project in Frankfurt, and uh, her architecture was always good and interesting. It was every time it was blocked and uh, came never to be realized. She's working all over the world or she was working all over the world and her office is now working all over the world. But I don't know, really not one project except the, the one at Vitra, but that's Weil am Rhein, uh, which is really a Zahadid project in Germany. And that's really characterizes how we are a bit. We are not experimental. Um, But I think what we are doing in, in Germany and in these cities, um, we, we really are able to let grow cities and develop slowly an urban architectural quality uh, where you find buildings that after 10, 20 or 25 years, they are really uh, timeless. Yeah, I, I just, I don't want to talk about my architecture. There are other examples, but we just talked about the uh, today in, an, uh, in a meeting um, with a client who says, um, you're 20 years old, uh, Metzler are mine building. Uh, would you build it the same way as it is? It was a competition we won quite, uh, quite uh, against quite good other architectural offices. And um, I thought over it this morning and I said, no, really, the, the architecture itself and the facade, I wouldn't really do a different thing in this project by now. I would do the interior a bit different. I would uh, work on the interior qualities and materials a bit different. But, uh, and I think if you can say this, um, This is quite an important uh, thing to realize. And I think that's one of the main qualities the good German architecture has. Yeah, And I think some of these show architecture is really not timeless. And you talked about the Scandinavian colleagues and I really admire them because uh, they, they are doing a really great job in between the gap, doing uh, being experimental and making really solid, clear design. Yeah, and uh, 3XN you talked about, they got in Frankfurt the high-rise price for their for their project in Australia, I think it is. Yeah. And yeah. the refurbishment project, and I think it's really, uh, yeah, it's a milestone project. And uh, I think uh, it's interesting that the German Deka Bank Uh, gave them the high-rise price. Yeah, so it's experimental, but it's really straight and good design. No, I think what they do quite well. Uh, it's uh, putting their roots in their, uh, his, like in the history of their architecture, and revisiting it in a modern, in a modern shape, in a modern way. And I think, for example, um, my personal opinion on Frankfurt, because I did my thesis here, is that. We should uh, focus on the doing more mixed use, 
so that the city it's a little bit uh, full of surprises because I come from Rome where every single little street gives you a surprise and I think that's something that it's missing on the on the urban uh, scale in Frankfurt sometimes there is this problem with the zoning where you have just one type of building or the other uh, but in general uh, I, I think also what you said about the timeless design that it's done here it's true because also I had a, a accidental call with one of our clients on the project I'm working on and we were talking and I asked him he asked me how I am and I said I'm good how do you like the project in the end and he told me um, it's nothing crazy but in 20 years I think we'll still look very good so it's very <laughs> I mean I, we didn't set up this but this is what he told me on the phone so <laughs> so it's something that must be must be must be true um, one thing that uh, we, we I got to I want to repeat one one part of your uh, first uh, uh, what you said uh, really at the beginning now I think that's an important point you brought up these uh, these mixed use and uh, it's not only a, th a thing or a question of the zoning uh, that's a point really all the investors five or let's say at least ten years ago. Nobody wanted to talk about a mixed-use building. They wanted to buy office, housing, retail. Yeah, and there were straight categories that was completely different uh, to New York, London, Paris, where they are all used to the mixed-use uses in the buildings. But that changes quite a lot, not dependent on the zoning, because the investors now like the hybrid buildings, they call it. It's not mixed use, they call it hybrid. And uh, as you know from our office, we can't talk about that now. <laughs> we are really working on interesting, really interesting stuff, really innovative stuff, which really will combine in a completely unusual way um, leisure, retail, uh, restaurants, office in one building, in one structure, as a typical in Frankfurt in a vertical way. So I think there's changing quite a lot. And the, the city will change in that point of view in the next 10 years dramatically. Yeah, I hope so. Right. Because we met, we missed a couple of opportunities. Uh, I don't know, I can mention Europa League here in Frankfurt, one of the biggest development yeah. In yeah. Europe, I, I think in the east side of the city, we missed a little bit of opportunity where also we were involved as an office in a couple of competitions. Uh, and actually, that was my thesis uh, thesis project. I did an alternative for the city. Uh, so I hope and I saw there is a big UN studio development in the city center that I'm really looking forward to, to be completed because uh, I think it's going to be exciting. There will be a big public area for everyone with food courts and public squares. So I think uh, Frankfurt is going to get uh, very exciting uh, in, the, in the next uh, decades. Um, and one thing that I noticed when uh, you talk to, because we have these uh, quarterly meetings or every time I have the opportunity to talk briefly with you in, in the everyday life, I have the feeling you, uh, beside all the architecture skills that you have developed through your career that's quite long now, um, you have also a lot of knowledge in the business of the real estate. And uh, beside the, you know, we talk always about beautiful shapes, materials and designs. But in the end of the day, what we do is basically designing real estate uh, and real estate assets. Um, did you get this knowledge through the years or through your family? And how important is this kind of knowledge that you have in order to combine it together with your architecture skills? Well, what I've always found, it's, uh, it's uh, kind of boring, always only talking to, to architecture, uh, architects. Yeah, it's, uh, We are thinking the same way we are really interested in a lot of things that I think we have all parallel. But I was always also in my surrounding and friends and family as well. There were always different topics. Yeah. And there are people who 
I have friends that are lawyers, I have friends that are working in the financing area, I have friends that are working in real estate, I have clients with the, which are always also friends. And so I think this being open to discussion, to, to hear, to listen to everyone and uh, really coming around the world and uh, understanding how uh, everywhere else the world is ticking. And uh, I think that's the most important influence. You have to be, you have to be always open, especially as an architect, because the, the, the we, we are, we have, for example, for our Stockwerk magazine, we had a, a large discussion with uh, Raphael Gilden, who's the trend scout for Vitra. And he is so completely different view on the world. He has a completely different view on um, uh, the, 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 the way we work, how he thinks we will work in 10 years and what he sees when he is in China or in America and he is consulting, a consultant of a lot of large companies and talking to him, and that's why I love making this magazine, is so... Um, it's so inspiring because you know what he's talking about and you hear, heard from it uh, is some, some things. But if he's explaining it in his special way and his really view of the developments all around the world and how companies and workplaces and uh, life changes yeah, for all of us, uh, and these are the moments where I say, okay, that's good not talking about architecture, but seeing it in a different way. And I think all the successful architects are open to influence, uh, to, or to everything which influences them from outside, yeah. wherever it comes from. Yeah. And that, that's a good sign that I called my podcast the Creative Insider, not the Architecture Insider, that I talk to also different people so that maybe I'm a good architect too. Let's see. <laughs> no, I, and also you mentioned the magazine. This is a magazine that we do on a yearly basis uh, every year, I guess, right? Um, yeah. So you... you um, it's an it's an, a magazine where you work also with basically the some of the people you are involved in your also in the in the work on the like are people that we work together with right uh, if you can expand more on the on the concept of the magazine and how it started yeah the the, the idea the idea of the magazine is in in opposition to the typical architectural picture books which I, I find they're, they're more or less boring, they're important. And of course, we, we are living from the pictures of the realized buildings we did. Uh, but uh, what we are looking for uh, was um, a platform where we can talk why why we are doing architecture and not how the architecture looks like, why we are doing architecture and with whom we are doing architecture and um, more about the team and the process than the result. And uh, that's what makes this one interesting. I give just one example. At the first, I think it was the first volume, um, we, we made um, um, an office building in, in Mainz and I came, I don't know the, what's the English word for Richtfest. I don't even know if there yeah, is. Yeah, it's like the, the, party, um, the party you do when you complete the structure. I don't know if there is a certain yeah, word, but yeah, that, that's it. That. Yeah, okay. Uh, the Richtfest. <laughs> and uh, there, were always, um, there were always photos, small photos they made uh, to put the glasses on, uh, on, on, on the piece of paper and there was interesting really interesting photos from the side from the construction side it was just concrete it was steel it was a part of a window really detailed photos and they were really really little piece of art i said who made these photos and one of uh, the our clients said do you don't you know that the client leader of the, uh, the the project leader of the client uh is uh, really your 
photographer and he really likes doing that and we just want to present it to him that the whole party is now uh, created, uh, designed with his photos and uh, so I said well, that's really interesting to know I'm sitting with him nearly every week and we are talking so much but I never knew that he's a photographer and uh, then we decided okay we're making a a uh, story with him in the magazine about developing projects, being uh, part of a large developing firm and having a hobby which is totally different and which ha which has a totally different eye on architecture and on detail, which I never realized. And that's, I think these surprises in people, that's make the magazine interesting. And I have one, one large client that he gave me, it's one of our important clients, and he just, we, we had now the volume four, which came out, and he just texted me uh, one morning, uh, lieber Herr Meyer, if Stockwerks uh, uh, makes it possible to be taken home uh, and completely, uh, completely read it, uh, uh, in front of the chimney by a good glass of wine, then it needs to be uh, a compliment for the, for, the, for the one who initiated it. And I think these are the little stories. Uh, he wrote me some other things too, but uh, he said it was so interesting to read about the people, uh, about the new work stories that's mainly based on new work, uh, the last one. And uh, that's That's a bit the part of the story, uh, having fun doing it or having fun creating it and getting a response from clients and uh, or people who are, who are working, we are working with, uh, that they say, well, it's interesting to read something different and not just looking at your architecture. No, I. Uh, it, it's a very beautiful issue for sure. Uh, we as employees get one copy every year, so it's exciting to, to see it. I think uh, maybe if you have the time and, and uh, if it's fun for you too, I think as a personal opinion with some experience in the field, it would be, for, in my personal opinion, extremely fun to, to have some hybrid version at some point where you maybe can uh, read the Stockwerk, but also maybe you can listen to it as a podcast nowadays. This is the, the future. And uh, being the more inside, having direct contact with the people, also feeling their voices, their uh, energy, uh, maybe having some vlogs or videos that, in my opinion, uh, would be like next level to have uh, the, the, I don't know, the Stockwerk podcast, which, I mean, you guys do it anyways, because the interviews, you travel, you talk to people. Recording, recording it. It's really easy. If you, if you need any help, Holga, hook me up. I'm, I'm gonna let you know how to do it. <laughs> it's not so hard. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, yeah. the the paper, the paper thing is a bit old school, but uh, I think doing it parallel could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, it could be something hybrid. You know, you mentioned hy hybrid uh, use in buildings. Uh, I don't uh, completely, you know, every, uh, we have now this with books. We have uh, books that you can listen. There is platforms like Audible that you can get every book and listen to the book. There is um, the Kindle, the Amazon Kindle, where you can have thousands of books in it. And it's handy because maybe you travel and want to take five books with you, but you don't want to fill your luggage with books. And there is also... Uh, the physical books. So the physical books are beautiful because they have a smell. You can write on them. You can underline things. And I think um, I wouldn't agree to like completely dismiss uh, reading like books, physical magazine, because there is its own beauty. But uh, every it's like uh, different uh, drinks, right? Uh, wine has a certain taste. Uh, beer has another. Whiskey has another one. And the same it's uh, with with media. So this is just uh, an idea. I have read part of the magazine. It's it's really beautiful. And uh, I think uh, who, who can get it? Uh, because we get it. I know the clients get it. Is it just an exclusive for the inner circle of Holger Maya? Or is it may also published somewhere on the website? 
Yeah, we have on the website and uh, in, in Instagram, we have uh, publishing always some stories out from the from the magazine, but it's not really viable. That could be maybe the next step. <laughs> yeah, we can put yeah. it on, on Amazon or just put it on our website. And uh, yeah. So, yeah. so if people are curious and uh, they know a little bit of German, they can they can check it out um, uh, on, on the website. And I'm curious, uh, um, uh, in all these years of career, is there some project that um, you're particularly proud of or that you were, uh, or that was particularly, I don't know, challenging for you that you learned a lot? Also, last week, I think, or two weeks ago, you went at the MIPIM. We sometimes, uh, once, I think, won also an award there. So is there some of the many projects that you have done, some, some project that it's really remarkable for your personal or have you have a personal connection to it? it um, personal connection, yeah. I've, of course, you have a personal connection to the projects. which We are divided a bit. The ones you are really working yourself, you're really connected to the clients because they are, really close yeah you know them over years you are connected much more to the project and of course you're right if you have a milestone like winning a two times MIPIM award for the for the Michaelsburg uh, uh, project then uh, this is remarkable yeah I think it was the first and I wasn't there wasn't any other German project which ever wants two MIPIM awards in one year because it was a special prize of the jury and the first prize in the category. So uh, that's, of course, that is really special. Um, <clears throat> what you always forget is um, the ones where you more started with, but you always have a connection to special situations. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I never, I never will forget that when we, when, when we start a project and you have you get a call that you want a competition and for me it's always like that I never forget these winning competition calls it's like getting a MIPIM award because that's always so nice you have in a different situation they mainly decide this and it's really after work you're not in the office anymore it's 8 o'clock, it's 9 o'clock, it's 10 o'clock and they're calling you uh, or texting you and saying, okay, you won. And this is always you together with friends. You're drinking something. I was one, when I won the Frankfurter Volksbank, I will never forget. And um, I was uh, presenting the competition and left Frankfurt because we have to go to Munich. And I was with friends and it was snowing. It was the beginning of December and we were out and we had a sauna evening with friends and it was snowing. And uh, I was standing outside in the snow and we started our sauna evening. We had warm, uh, warm wine and we stand there outside the small, small wooden cabin. And I got this call that we won the competition. And you always get connected to these situations. And when I'm walking along the building, to be honest, I always remember this situation where I was standing in the snow and they called me and said, okay, you won it. <laughs> so you have a good, uh, the, the same feeling. It's uh, like, um, you know, with some people that we have in our life, we have connections to certain moments or friends. So it's funny to have that connection uh, with uh, with buildings. Uh, never thought about it. That it's a, a particular. Yeah, it, it's it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, and um, I don't want to uh, keep you much longer on the interview because it's evening. Uh, you have a very uh, full days of meetings every day. Uh, we always um, end the conversation with every guest by trying to create a. I call it uh, the, the inspiring part of ideas. Everyone shares what uh, inspires them, what they like to do, because as creatives, you know, sometimes uh, we have to recharge our inspiration and our creative uh, batteries. Uh, and uh, I'm curious, what does inspire you in your free time? If you have some favorite book, music, or events that you like to attend, if you practice any sports, uh, how do you get uh, your creative batteries uh, pumped up yes uh, uh, okay if you 
if you go running and being outside, then you're always getting a clear, a clear mind. And I think, I think that's important for me. As I already said, it's important always finding time talking to other people, not staying in your, in your really narrow, narrow surrounding of your, your problems, your daily problems. Uh, forgetting about that, talking to other people about other things. Uh, and the other thing is being open, uh, coming around, coming around, uh, seeing a lot of things. For me, the most relaxing thing, which I have not done until uh, Corona started, is being in Africa because it's... Uh, it's such an inspiring nature. It's so quiet. It's so different to everything you have every day. And uh, I think you, I really wanted to do it every one and a half or two years being there. Because if you do it too often, it gets too normal. You get really, get, uh, I say, yeah, uh, used to it. And that's not really the right thing. I always want to be surprised. So next Thing I wanted to do is uh, Namibia and uh, relaxation. I think that is really something enjoyable for more than half a year or a year just staying there for five or seven days. Is there a certain country that you've already been that you've been, uh, was it Namibia also or somewhere else that you've been in Africa I that you were hit? South Africa, now Tanzania, now Kenya. Uh, so I came came a lot around there, and it was always inspiring and really special. Yeah. No, that well, that's a, a great uh, thing. I've never. Uh, it's the you're the first one sharing this tip, so uh, people go out there check check these countries. Uh, yeah, well, you can't anything else and just relaxing. And you really, I think when you see, I I I love these old books from the fifties. Yeah, for example the. Latik photographs from the 50s from the Côte d'Azur where, where everything was so quiet and cool and uh, really uh, uh, completely in a different way and I think the world is changing so rapidly and uh, all the cities are so fast and uh, our life is going faster and faster uh, our information is getting faster and faster and so when you're there you forget about everything, yeah, because you're not really connected to the world we know. And I think there are not so many places, um, and everybody loves a different place. I think it's not about Africa; it's about the place where you have to be your real quiet island. Yeah. No, that's that's great. Well, Holga, thank you very much for taking part on the Creative Insider podcast. I invite everyone who hasn't. Uh, been uh, aware of the work of Holger Maya to to visit the website and visit our Stockwerk, the Instagram. I'll put all the links in the description. And thank you very much and have a good evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.